You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. John chapter 1, we're going to be in three different passages of Scripture this morning, all of them written by John the Apostle. John is probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I love how he writes. I love how the Holy Spirit used him to write. For now, we will begin in John chapter 1. I'm going to preach on looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 29. Are we there? All right. Follow along as I read in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John, now this is not the author John, but John the Baptist, right? Next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Lord, we need you. And that's why we come to you today. Lord, we did not come here just to have fellowship, although we are thankful for this fellowship. We did not come here just to sing, although we are so thankful that you've given us the opportunity to sing. We did not come here just to congregate, although we thank you for the freedom to congregate. We did not come here just to uh, give our offerings, although we thank you for giving us the opportunity to give just a little portion back for all that you have done for us. We didn't come here just to pray, even though we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne and pray. Lord, we came here today for one reason, one main reason, to hear from your word. We need your word. We can't make it through this, this week without your word. We have tried to make it through on the words of men, but they keep changing. They keep scaring us. They keep pushing us. Lord, we are asking for your word today and that your Holy Spirit would have free reign in this place, that you would remove all distractions and that everyone here in body and those here in heart who are watching online would leave and spend the rest of this day knowing just a little bit more that when we look to you, we can know all will be well. We ask this in your name. Amen. So do you remember in school, and your teacher would be explaining or reviewing subject material. And every now and then, he or she would say something along the lines of, all right, pay attention, pay attention, this is going to be on the test. And everybody would wake up. 
grab their pencils, grab their pens, or they would say, you're going to want to remember this. You're going to want to remember this. Maybe they would star it on the blackboard or the green board. Not every teacher was like that, though, right? There are some teachers that were very helpful, and they would smile, and they would say, I'm going to tell you everything that's going to be on the test, because I want you to succeed. I want you to succeed. Then you had other, you had other teachers that were like, the moment you set foot in this class, whatever I say, whether it has to do with the subject at hand or not, whatever I say can be on the test because I want to teach you that life isn't fair, <laughs> right? <laughs> I had a couple teachers like that. You can remember their names. You can remember their names until that. So would it be a stretch to say that God, in a way, is our teacher and the Bible is our textbook? Would it be a stretch to say that? No, of course. Could we be referred to as students of the word? Of course we can so of those two kinds of teachers that I mentioned, God wants you to succeed. God wants us to succeed. He never hides what's going to be on the test. The Bible says if we just study, if we study, we, okay, even in, the, even in the class when the teacher did tell us everything that was on the test, some of us bombed before because we didn't study, Right? So if we study, the Bible says, we can be, we can show ourselves approved unto God. We can be workmen, not ashamed, standing before him. So here's what I'm trying to say. Just like that teacher would give these little cues, maybe verbal cues or visual cues, that would tell you as a student, hey, what I'm about to say is pretty important. What I'm about to say is, is something that you need to pay attention to because they wanted us to know what was going to be on the test, whatever it may be, God does the same thing. He does the same thing in his word. He uses different uh, things that we can mark. He uses different phrases, like verily, verily. Nobody really says that anymore. Maybe parents should start saying that. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, if you do not clean your room, thou shalt suffer the wrath of thine forefathers. That, that's not bad. So he said, verily, verily, right? Truly, truly, this is true, and me saying that it's true is just as true. Verily, verily, how about I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's true. And, and he didn't just say it. He said, no, 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 no. Verily, verily, you got to pay attention to this. Don't miss this, okay? What about low? He says, low. Lo, look, look at this, what I'm about to say. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He didn't want us to miss that. He repeats himself of scripture. Uh, when Paul is writing to the Galatians, he says, if any man, even an angel comes and teaches another gospel to you, let that man be accursed. And I say again, if any man comes to you and teaches you anything other than we have taught you about Jesus Christ. Let that man be accursed. Paul was just running out of things to say and uh, had a little extra ink in his well. No, the Bible is bringing out something that he doesn't want us to miss. Behold, that is a word that God uses to bring our attention to something. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The word behold means more than just seeing something. It means looking at something. 
I mentioned this last week when we were going through 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel 11, the Bible says that David went out when he should have been out fighting, but he went out on his roof instead, and he saw Bathsheba, but then he looked at Bathsheba. Seeing can be an accident. Looking is on purpose. Behold is not talking about seeing something. It's talking about looking at something. It's talking about giving attention to that something. Sometimes, what do you tell your kids when you're talking to them and it's not getting through? Even after you said verily, verily. You say, look at me. Pay attention to me. And sometimes they look up and then you see the... No, 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 no. Look, look here. Eyes. Very important. Okay, so... I bought my house last December, so December 2000, no, not last December, December 4. Wow, 2018, okay? So two years this December. And uh, when you're going around, you're looking at a house, you're looking at everything. You want to make sure that the foundation is solid. You want to make sure there's no leaks. You want to make sure you can kind of see the furniture, where it would go, all those different things. And what men care about is the backyard. So I go out to the backyard, and I remember seeing there was a, a stump, just a stump that used to be an ash tree, and it fell down during Hurricane Harvey right on the roof, but that's why I had a new roof on the house, so sure, thank you, Harvey. Uh, but it was just a stump of a tree, and it's a shame, because you could, you could tell it was just a beautiful tree at one point, huge. I mean, that, that trunk is definitely uh, bigger around than this pulpit. Uh, but then there was another tree just kind of in the corner. I was like, okay, I've got two trees. Now I have two, two oak trees out front, which are great during the summer, horrible during the fall. Uh, so, you know, I loved the trees. I loved the curb appeal that it gave to it. We bought the house. Honestly, just two weeks ago, I walked out in the backyard, and I was taking care of my dog. And I looked up, and the stump of the tree is growing all these shoots and things. And, you know, it's, it's still alive, and it's giving shade, so I'm letting it go. But I looked past that, and I looked at the other tree. And it was a crepe myrtle tree, and I knew it was a crepe myrtle tree. I always knew it was a crepe myrtle tree. But honestly, I looked at that tree, and I looked up. Wow. Blossoms everywhere, just these beautiful white blossoms, and the wind is kind of blowing through it, and it's like snowing down. And my dog's running around like crazy all over me. I have his food. I don't know how long I looked at that tree. I couldn't get over how beautiful it was. Just a beautiful tree, 30 feet tall, just, and all those blossoms there, and it's still in full bloom right now. I can't stop looking at that tree. For almost two years, a year and a half, I lived there. I knew the tree was there, I saw the tree, saw the tree every day. I went out to the backyard, mowed the backyard, weed it around it, knew it was there took me up until two weeks ago where I actually looked at it, realized how beautiful it was. And now that's like my favorite part of the property. I want to put a bench out there, and, but then the dog wouldn't leave me alone, so I'll figure it out. It's very possible to see something. Have you ever been driving down the road at one point and thought, wait a second, when was that building there? And somebody says that building has been there for years, decades. You've seen the building before. You've never noticed it before. There's a very big difference. I'm not telling you to see the Lord today. I know you know he's there. 
I know you know who he is. Your daily life, you see him. You walk around him. He's around you. You read your Bible. I'm asking you to look at him today, to behold him just a little bit more than we're beholding everything else right now. We're not just seeing the news. We're looking at the news. We're looking at the numbers. We're looking at the orders that are coming out. We're looking at the amount of people at the grocery store. We're looking at the stock market. We're looking at all of those things. We're going out of our way, making a concerted effort to look at all of those things. And how does it make you feel? Good or bad? Sure or unsure? Faithful or fearful? If you're asking, Pastor, are you not worried? Are you not afraid of everything that's going on? Yes, I am. And I don't like that because God has not given us the spirit of fear. So what that tells me is I'm looking at the wrong thing. And I'm fearing the wrong thing. 1,298 times in the Bible, the word behold is used. I'm just going to talk about three for sake of time. Three times the Bible says, hey, 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 you don't want to miss this. Pay attention to this. Don't just, don't just skirt by it. Don't just read over it. No, look. Look at this. Take some time to give attention to it. And as you may have guessed, all of them are pointing us to the Lord, looking to Jesus. And here's why I'm preaching this. Our world, okay, our world, our country, our church, our families would be a lot better off if we were bored the way we're looking at some other things right now. How would our lives not get better? How would we not feel just a little bit more confident? How would we feel just a little less fearful? Yeah, there's a storm's raging, but look, Jesus is in the boat. You'll be all right. We'll be okay. And here's really a big thing that I'm wanting to bring out. You have to know you're saved, okay? You're not going to make it through this time. Two things. First of all, if you're not saved. If you're not saved, you're going to be run by fear. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, if you can't turn to him as your Abba, Heavenly Father, it's going to be a tough time. But here's another thing. You have to know. You have to know that you are saved. A lot of Christians I run into, it's an I don't know, it's a maybe it's an I know one week, I don't know the next week. Do you know the Bible says that when you are saved, you are always saved? You are eternally secure. You in Jesus' hand and then Jesus in God's hand. I'm not in any way a specimen of manhood. But if I were to take a penny and put it in my hand and then take this hand and put it in the other hand, find the strongest man here, he's going to have hard time getting that pen out of my hands, unless he like, punches me in the face and cheats or something. But trying to pry it out. And the Bible says that when you are saved, you are in Jesus' hand. Jesus' hand is in the Father's hand, and no man is going to pluck them out. Eternal security is a fact. 
but there are Christians walking around throughout the day and facing troubles, facing fears, facing obstacles, facing temptations, facing trials, not knowing for themselves that eternal security is a fact. Look, some things are just facts. Some things are just true. But if it's not true to you, the truth doesn't mean anything. Eternal security is a fact. So not only am I asking, are you saved? I'm asking, do you know that you're saved? Do you know for sure that you're saved? Do you have assurance of your salvation? Assurance of salvation is your personal understanding that eternal security is a fact. Do you know that? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you can know that you're saved. But if you're here this morning and you're struggling with doubt, it's time to get that settled. Otherwise, this is going to be a really hard time. Jesus came to save sinners, and we can know for sure that we are going to heaven. And it's really hard to look at somebody who is not your savior. Israel went into exile when they took their eyes off the Lord. Peter started to sink when he took his eyes off the Lord. And there are millions of people struggling right now because they're looking at everything else other than the Lord. So I challenge you to behold him today. And here's why this is so important, okay? Here's why this is so important. If you behold the Lord today, you know whose choice that will be? Yours. That's going to be your choice and your choice alone. I can stand up here all I want and say, look, 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 pay attention, write this down. It's going to be on the test. But if the student doesn't write it, on, write it down and study it and say, okay, I'm going to be ready when the test comes, that doesn't mean anything. But if you this morning behold the Lord, that's going to be your choice. Now, here's the big kicker right here. A day is going to come when that choice is no longer And by the end of this message, I think you're going to understand what I'm saying. So the first behold is one that we already read. Behold the lamb. The first time that the Bible says, I really want you to look at Jesus here. He says, behold the lamb. And it's amazing to me just how much is said in those three words. When John the Baptist says, behold the lamb, he spoke volumes. Because you know what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to see who Jesus is. I want you to see everything of who he is. Behold right now. Pay attention right now. Don't miss this right now. Behold the lamb. You know what he's saying? The one who was promised from the beginning has come. The one who all the sacrifices pointed to is here. The one that all the prophets spoke of has arrived. The seed of the woman, the Passover lamb, the scapegoat, the prophet like unto Moses, the redeemer of all Israel, the blessing to all nations, king of kings is here. Look, pay attention. Don't miss what people for centuries have been looking for. Look at who he is. The time has come. There's no more waiting. There's no more wondering. There's no more hoping. He's here. John says, I want you to look at this. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at the synagogue. Stop looking at the law and all those other things. Start looking at him. Jesus, God, came down to man when John is saying this. And he came for one reason. This is a faithful thing and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That is why he came. 
Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's who he is. That's everything of who he is. And God is making it clear, don't miss that. Moving on. Here's a question. How is Jesus going to take away the sin of the world? So behold the Lamb, which taketh away the sin of the world. How? How is he going to take away the sin of the world? So Jesus begins his earthly ministry, and many people believe that he's the Messiah. Don't they? Because of the works that he's doing and the miracles. They know that some say he's a teacher, some say he's a prophet, but many believed that he was the Messiah, and they followed him. Because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, they also believed, they assumed that Jesus was going to conquer Rome and set up his literal kingdom. That was what the Messiah was going to do. They were wrong, right? So they heard, they heard, take away the sin of the world, but they missed the most important part. Behold the what? Behold the lamb. Lambs don't conquer. Lambs don't conquer things. Lambs are not the king of the jungle. Can you imagine starting your movie with the MGM logo? <laughs> One time we went to Brookfield Zoo, and we had just, I love Brookfield Zoo, best zoo ever. It's in Chicago, okay? Yes, amazing, right? <laughs> we had nothing to do with it, but we agree. Okay, so... And we had just walked in, and then suddenly I felt this rumble. I said, what in the world is that? Like, did I eat? <laughs> you know, what's, what's going on? And you get a little closer, and it gets a little louder. We, we realize the lion is roaring. And suddenly, everyone just runs to the lion exhibit. And everyone wants to see the lion roaring. It's an impressive thing. No one was running to the lamb exhibit. A lamb is not meant to conquer. A lamb is not the king of the jungle. I won't do my, my British accent for the, you know, the Planet Earth series, okay? Imagine a lamb coming out and ruling over the giraffes and the hippos and the Cape Buffalo. No, that's not what it is, okay? Lambs are meant for sacrifice, not for battle, but they miss that. They miss that. Behold the lamb. Even Jesus' disciples missed that. What does he say to them? And in, it's in Mark. You, you probably just did it in, in Sunday school. It's in Mark. I think it's in chapter 9 or, or chapter 8, somewhere in there. And he says, who, who, who do men say that I am? The prophets, maybe Elijah, you know, uh, or you know, a teacher. Whom do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. Ding, 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 ding. Give that Cupid doll, right? Yes. And man did not re relay this to you, reveal this to you. But my father, which is in heaven, revealed this unto you. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. And then he starts to say something else. He then teaches the disciples that the son of man is going to suffer. He's going to be slain. And he's going to rise again. And what does Peter say? Not so, Lord. Be it far from thee. Be it far from thee, Lord. And in one breath, okay, so, so think of what's happening here. In one breath, thou art the Christ. The next breath, I don't agree with your plan. You 
are the one who is going to take away the sin of the world. I don't like that way that you're saying you're going to take away the sin of the world. Let's turn to our next one. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Jesus, in a very uh, pointed way, turned to Peter and said, Peter, that's not the way it works. If you're going to believe in who I am, you also have to believe in what I do. If you're going to believe in who I am, if I am who I say I am, then the way that I say to get to heaven is the way to get to heaven. You can't disagree with it. You cannot say, we can't say, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and then disagree with the Lamb's way of taking away the sin. We can't do that. John chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Don't read over that. Scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of robes and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. Don't avert your eyes. Don't just breeze by that when you read your Bible. Don't try to downplay what Jesus went through. No, no, no. Behold it. Open your eyes. Open the eyes of your mind to it. Open the door of your heart to it. Behold what Jesus endured to take away your sin and mine. He was scourged by a Roman cat of nine tails. Think of the, just think of the blood loss and pain from that. Crowned with thorns upon his head, he was spit upon, punched and slapped repeatedly, beaten across his head with a rod, his beard ripped from his face. He was mocked and cursed, forced to carry a heavy cross. He was nailed to that cross through his hands and through his feet, and for six hours... He slowly suffocated until he died. It was a gruesome sight. A sight that no painting or Hollywood video can ever portray. You see these paintings of Jesus in a hospital. And he's got a trickle of blood here, trickle of blood here, trickle of blood from his feet. Long flowing hair. He's Anglo-Saxon somehow. Bible says you couldn't even recognize that he was a man. And why do you think he did that? Why would he do that? Why would he die? And not only why would he die, why would he die in that way? Why would he die slowly, painfully? And Matthew 26 says, Jesus at any time could have called to his father and said, I'm done. And he would have sent more than 12 legions of angels. A legion is 6,000, 72,000 angels. What do you think the angels would have done? Now y'all stop what you're doing. Or do you think they would have wiped this place clean? And at, I'm, sure, I'm sure Jesus could hear up in heaven the angels. Call us. Call us in. They don't deserve it. They're mocking you. 
They've put themselves here. Call us. Call us. Call us. And he said, no. I've said this so many times before. But nails did not hold Jesus to the cross. After all that Jesus went through and he carried that heavy cross, I can barely, barely carry that sandwich board out to the lower parking lot. After all Jesus went through, he carried that cross until he couldn't carry it anymore. He was a man. Nails didn't hold him there. But as a lamb, as a lamb, before his shearers is dumb, so he opened out his mouth and he took it all for you and me. So behold the lamb. Look at who he is. He's everything the Bible ever promised. Everything that we read about in the Old Testament pointing forward to in one man, a perfect prophet, a perfect priest, a perfect king, in one man. When's the last time you beheld that, just thought of that? That's your savior. That's your king. That's your prophet. That's your priest. You don't have to go to the priest down the road with the little net in between. No, I have, my, I have my own priest. I have my own high priest. And he made you a priest. Behold the lamb, all who he is. Behold the man, all that he's done. He died for you. He suffered for you. He bled for you. He rose again for you. You can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. There's only one thing powerful enough to hold Jesus to the cross, and that was his love for you. He loves you. You know, a lot of times you're going to run into people that just don't love you. Or they say that they love you, and they hurt you. Jesus will never do that to you. You need to behold him today. And he did all of that because we couldn't do it ourselves. Therefore, to know who he is, and yet believe that his way of taking away our sins is not good enough, that doesn't make any sense. If you're going to behold the lamb, behold the man. If you're going to behold who he is, also behold what he's done. See, look at how he suffered. Look at how he bled. Look at how he died. And think, why did he do that? He did that for me. So stop trusting in your religion. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in your works. Transfer all of that trust. You have a capacity for faith. Everybody has a capacity for faith. You're sitting in a chair that you believed would hold your weight. That's faith. Everyone has a capacity for faith. Just transfer that faith to him. Off yourself. Trust in him alone. Revelation 1, and I'm done. Remember what I said at the beginning? If you behold the lamb, if you, who he is, if you behold the man, all that he's done, and by the way, he's done a lot more than just die for you and rise again for you, hasn't he? If you behold him today, whose choice is that? Everyone say, mine. 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 It's my choice. I can't make you do that. Okay? That is your choice, and I'm encouraging you to do that. But, choice won't always be yours. Look in Revelation 1, verse 7. What's our first word? Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, 
And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. You know, there are people everywhere, people even in this room, who have been told before, behold, Jesus. Look to Jesus. But they choose not to. They refuse to behold who he is as the Lamb of God. They believe in another Savior. They say that Jesus was only a good man. They say that he was not who he said he was. They believe Muhammad or Confucius or Buddha or whatever. Perhaps they behold who Jesus is, but they refuse to behold how he died and rose again for their sins. They don't behold the man. They believe they can reach heaven without Jesus. They believe their good works will outweigh their bad. They believe they... They can take away from God's way of salvation or add to God's way of salvation. They do everything but behold what Jesus did for them. They do everything but believe in God's way of salvation through Jesus. Well, the day is going to come where everybody is going to have no choice but to behold exactly who he is and exactly what he's done. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see him. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Now, why is that going to happen? I understand crying. I think all of us are going to cry when we see Jesus. But why would we wail in pain and anguish and agony? Why would people wail when they see him? You know, there was a time... Many times when I woke up in the morning and I went, to, when I went to school and I had a teacher who told me everything on the test, but I forgot that the test was that day. So I was not ready. I wasn't crying, I was wailing because it was my fault that I wasn't ready. People are going to wail when they see Jesus, not because he didn't do his part, but because they did not do theirs to behold him when they had the choice to do so. So that's my message. We can choose to behold him now. Or there's coming in a day, you're going to have no choice in the matter. You're going to behold him. There's going to be nothing else to look at. It's going to be all him. And those who refuse to behold the lamb will behold a lion. And those who refuse to behold him as a savior will behold him as a judge. But by then it's going to be too late. There's a Three Stooges episode where Shemp dies and he goes to heaven. And somebody tells him, well, tell you what, if you, if you go back to earth and reform Mo and Larry, we'll let you come back to heaven. That's not the way it works. And I'm not telling that as a joke. People believe that's the way it works. My grandma believed that's the way it worked. My grandma Flo, dying of cancer on her deathbed, told my mom, when I get there, I'll work it all out. Mom, that's not how it works. What? That's not how it works? No. If the first time you choose to behold the Lord is when he comes back again, it's too late. It's too late. You need to behold him now. So here's, here, here it is. I'm, I have more that I can do, but I need to go. We all need to go.
We're spending way too much time beholding junk right now. And I will be the first person to admit every time I tell myself, don't look at the news, and I look at it anyway, because curiosity killed the cat. And by the way, that wasn't a warning against cats. It's a warning against you and me. And I read it, and the numbers are going up, and the fear is going up, and people are rioting in the streets, and there's earthquakes everywhere, and people are going on the national news and saying if the government doesn't change, we're going to burn it down, and we're going to rebuild it again, and nobody does anything about it. I'm sorry about George Floyd. The man shouldn't have died. And that police officer deserves to be punished. I'm also sorry for the 100 people who were shot and killed in Chicago that the news don't, doesn't talk about, including a three-year-old child. But I'm done beholding people who don't care about me and only care about an agenda. I'm going to behold the Lord. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know where he'll lead me tomorrow. I don't know if they'll shut us down again. I don't know all of that. All I know is one thing. He requires obedience. And if I'm going to obey, I'm going to have to look. So that's what I'm going to do. And I invite you to do the same. Life just gets a lot simpler. It's not our job to know everything. You know that? It's okay. Just know where to find the answer. I'm sure you get some difficult questions as a realtor. And you don't have them all off because things are changing all the time. But you know where to find them. And that's why you're a good realtor. You don't have to know everything as a Christian. People are going to be asking some difficult questions. Why do good things or bad things happen to bad, good people and good things happen to bad people? Why are, look, you don't have to know all of that. Do I have to wear a mask? Do I need to obey the government? Where do I draw the line between obeying the government and obeying God? And what do I, look, look, step by step, step by step. You don't have to know all the answers know where to find them. And I have, I'm afraid right now we're looking in the wrong answer key. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.